Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of a hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa. So, today's episode is all about a poker game. It's all about some cards, some boys, some money. So I wanted to ask <laughs> you, have you ever played, like, card games? Do you have any card game memories? Um... You know, I was the one who suggested this topic, and I don't know why, because, like, I don't have any significant card game, like, stories to tell. When I was younger, I would play Liar's Poker, which you play with a dollar, just, like, dollar bills and money and stuff. And, like, I would beat out my dad because my dad was just dumb and taught me everything that he knew. And so (laughs) I would, at, like, 10, I was beating out my dad. It was really funny. Um... I don't know. Like, I really liked the game War. Like, I played that recently with my partner, and that was really, really fun. I loved that. I love that card game. It's, like, such a cute little kid game, but it's so fun. I don't think I've ever played War. The only, like, card game I've ever played was, like, Go Fish, and that was when I was, like, five. Like, I (laughs) I have, like, no real card game memories other than, like, playing, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know if that counts as a (laughs) card game. But as, like, a kid, Yu-Gi-Oh! was big, and what me and my friends would do during, like, lunch at school was that we wouldn't even play the card game by the rules of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! is, like, a legitimate card game of, like, you could go to tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, like, read the instructions of how to play it, mm-hmm. so we just played it like, this card looks cooler, I win. It was so <laughs> stupid. Um, and that's, like, my only card game, like, memory it's just me being a dumb kid and not reading the instructions of how to play a game that I bought like 5,000 cards of because I watched the TV show. <laughs> there was like the same thing with Pokemon cards. Like you could, yeah. there was like a legitimate way to play like battles, I guess, with Pokemon cards and no one did it. At least for me, like when I was younger, <laughs> exactly. just no one did it. It was really funny. It's a leg- <laughs> They're both legitimate card games that, like, people can make good money playing off of in tournaments. Like, it's a legitimate game. Mm -hmm. But as kids, we just didn't do that. we just didn't. And I feel like I missed out on, like, a vital childhood experience that a lot of other, like, nerdy kids had. (laughs) Because I I never played these games correctly. It's so funny because we're talking about, like a poker game and like legitimate like manly men card games and we're sitting here like such nerds like i didn't know how to play pokemon cards right (laughs) hey man listen (laughs) i think every story i tell on this podcast about my childhood just makes me sound more and more like a dork every time because i have like no interesting stories it's just like (laughs) i got up at 5 a.m to watch digimon (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad that our listeners have this insight into how just how nerdy we are. <laughs> how we are not cool and not qualified not to cool talk about all. men playing poker. <laughs> so, with that bizarre intro out of the way, let's talk about this actual episode, shall we? Mm-hmm. In this episode, Deal Me Out, Hawkeye and Trapper attend a poker game that keeps getting interrupted. First by Radar injuring a Korean local, then a CID officer that needs surgery... And finally, a hostage situation. Vanessa, I really liked this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, What did you think of this episode? I loved this episode so much. I remembered this episode from my many rewatches of MASH, but 
I always seem to forget how much I love the episodes where there is a poker game kind of involved. Those to me are some of the best episodes when there's this the center is around this poker game and there's just so many shenanigans happening all around it. It's just it's mm-hmm. makes for some of the best episodes in my opinion. Yeah, I I really like the the format of this one. That's all around this one time, like they're just playing this one game and, you know, it takes place over the course of several hours, but it is just one night. And the fact that like other things keep happening around them that aren't like these huge annoyances. I mean, there is a hostage situation, but they're never like annoyed about the fact that they have to like leave. It's just like really funny to me. And I like the the characters that they brought in. We get the return of your beloved Sidney Freeman, and I, I understand I understand why you like him now. I think he's great, and I can't wait to see more of him. But there's even another guy uh, who I'm not sure if we saw before, but I really liked him as well. He had like a really good vibe. I really liked the center of this, and I liked how the story kind of spread out around it. It was it was really cool, and I'm I'm glad that you're saying that they do more of this kind of episode. There's a there's a, at least a couple more throughout the series, but this one was probably one of the first. They they might have been doing poker games in the past season. I don't know. I don't remember, but this was definitely like the first of this kind and this one was really good. <laughs> there was one that took place at night where like an officer w- came to like inspect the place and you know, they were playing poker, but it wasn't as much of a like centralized thing. They didn't have mm-hmm. these like extra characters come in. Uh so there wasn't as much of these like kind of scenes of cool guys hanging out it was kind (laughs) of like the poker was more of a background element than that one i forget what that one was that might have been like episode seven or eight like Mm -hmm. if we go back into the the mash mouth archives (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah i fully enjoyed this one Again, I, I liked uh, everybody in the game. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Do you want to talk about Sidney Freeman and uh, the few guest stars that we have? Yes, absolutely. Uh, one thing I do have to note is that I thought that it was really funny that before Sydney and this other character, Sam Pack, came, they were saying that there was a conference that they all had to go to, and it just turned out to be this poker game. And I thought that that was really funny because originally I was just like, oh, conference, that's weird. I know this is about a poker game. Not even connecting these two things of like, <laughs> of course, they're going to say that this poker game is a conference so that they can come. It was really funny. <laughs> but um, I thought that this was a great exploration of Sydney. Um, we get it, of course, again, a little bit later in this series as well. But this is this is just a great establishment of who he is and how like he's just uh he's just one of the guys like he is one of Henry Hawkeye Trapper. He belongs in the swamp, you know? Yeah, I really liked him in this one. Last episode that he showed up in and you were like, oh, but that's the great Sidney Freeman. I'm like, yeah, but like, who cares about him? But this episode, <laughs> I'm like, actually, this guy kind of love him, love his vibe, love his jokes. You're right. He has this very, uh, this great chemistry with the original gang. And so does, uh, Sam, by the way. I really liked him. I don't think that we've seen him before. I don't think that he's appeared in a previous episode. But 
I, I like the way that he played off of everyone as well. He he felt like one of the boys, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I hope that, like Sydney, we get to see a little bit more of him, even if he's maybe not as much of a regular as Sydney apparently becomes. He does. Um, I don't know if he's been in episodes previous. I don't think he has, but I know that he does come back, and I'm pretty sure he comes back as this character. And he was fantastic too. I loved that they like almost right off the bat they were kind of like ripping on Frank, just like Hawkeye and Trapper would. That was really funny, and that just kind of solidified your at least my love for these two, especially together. It was very funny. Yeah, man. Even Klinger, Klinger being in this group. I mean, I always love Klinger, but the way they kind of rip into him saying like, oh, the earrings don't match the sweater he's wearing, <laughs> stuff like that is, you know, great. I love when they meet Klinger on his own terms, like kind of go along with him, but still, you know, make fun of him a little bit. It's great. I thought it was really funny because in the episode previous that we had seen Sydney's character, um, he was willing to give Klinger the discharge, but he was saying that he was like a transvestite and stuff like that. So <laughs> so I kind of liked how they carried that over and Sydney said, oh, Klinger, you're still trying to get out of the army by wearing dresses and stuff. So I liked that continuation of his character. And right, also, right. I do have to mention Klinger's outfits in this were so funny. There's a point in this episode where he's wearing these ridiculous <laughs> large sunglasses. Oh my God. It was oh God. so funny. That, <laughs> yeah. I also love Sydney talking about various people that kind of, you know, went through different methods of getting out of the army psychologically. Oh, yeah. That was like fun. the guy who pretended to be a cockroach and like only skittered <laughs> along the walls, uh, or the guy who claimed to be reincarnated uh, and fought alongside George Washington. I Again, this episode for the poker game, as seedy as this poker game was, this was a grimy looking poker game, by the mm-hmm. way, still had like this really good fun guy vibe just the boys hanging out and having fun together you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's just like it was the most wholesome yet seedy thing ever it was just like ah they were just they were just being and it was so it was so nice to see it like this feels like it could take place anywhere in the world you know what i mean yeah but what makes this a mash episode is (laughs) it being interrupted so let's talk about a few of those that Apparently, Radar was going to go to this, like, nightclub with a few of the boys having his own boys' night, and <laughs> uh, on the on the way there... By the way, who is Radar's friends? Who is he going to the club with? I need to know. I, I would think it would be, like, people like Klinger and, you know, the cooks and stuff like that, like the <laughs> other enlisted men, but I could oh, be wrong. Sure. I don't know. But on the way there... Mr. Radar accidentally hits a local Korean man with his Jeep and is freaking out about it. What do you think about this entire uh, subplot that kind of derails the poker game? So I thought it was really funny first off the bat when Radar was asking Henry to borrow the Jeep. And it was like he was asking his dad to borrow the car on like a Friday night. It felt very, very cute like that. But I liked this because we come to find out that Radar actually didn't hit this guy. This guy is like a uh, like almost like a scam artist, I would say. Like he jumps out in front of uh, American Jeeps and tries to get money. And at first, like I was like, oh, what a, what a like crappy thing to do. Like that's so that's so like nasty, you know. 
But then Sam Pack, who is the character who's playing poker with them, says he was a farmer before the war, so he had to hit the road literally. Um, So it kind of added that little dimension to it where I felt really bad. Like the whole scene, the entirety of it was really funny. But then I felt kind of bad for this guy who was trying to like scam Radar. And I was just like, MASH always does this to me. It makes me feel too many emotions. (laughs) I feel that. Uh, I like that this wasn't immediately revealed that this guy's a scam artist like Mm -hmm. the way you kind of described it it seems like scene two is they discover that he's a scam artist but no like first they're kind of legitimately trying to take care of this guy and i thought his physical comedy of lying in this bed and the the arms like raising and lowering acting like you know you plug up one hole and another you know spurts water out that kind of like arm movement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. Uh, hopefully that made sense to anyone listening. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. And then the reveal of it being this guy who's like whiplash, uh, whatever his last name is, was like, oh, okay. I guess that kind of absolves Radar of c- committing a vehicular assault or whatever you call it. <laughs> uh, if it was like, the korean john ralphio just getting in the way you know i don't know if that makes sense to you you haven't seen parks and rec anyone listening parks and rec fans you get that joke <laughs> um but i <laughs> yeah i like the way that the subplot uh was handled and how it kind of evolved yeah it was really cute it didn't have like i mean a lot of this story about what derails this poker game is kind of disjointed but this was like the smallest bit of it and i liked how it wrapped up and like i said how i felt <laughs> emotions of course <laughs> mm-hmm. this next one though that again derails the poker game was i would say probably maybe the largest piece of the episode where hawkeye and trapper operate on this cid officer and when they're not supposed to do you want to do you want to discuss that a little bit yeah, this was this was interesting. This was their I don't want to say obligatory, that sounds like mean, but this is their usual like military commentary military commentary part of the episode mm-hmm. where a uh intelligence officer, a CID officer, I don't know what that stands for, comes in and he needs surgery and he was going to get surgery, but then Frank is like, "Ah ah ah." regulations say that CID officers always need some other CID officer present. So you're just going to have to wait for God knows when for when a, another CID officer shows up and hopefully you live until then. Uh, then Frank goes in and he tells uh, the poker gang of this like CID officer. Immediately, Hawkeye and Trapper are like, that is absolute nonsense. And, you know, Sydney agrees with them. And they're like, well, we're doctors. We don't really care about army regulations. We don't want this man to die. So they go out and they they give him surgery illegally without this regulation meeting requirement kind of thing. And it causes some big trouble for them. What do you what do you think about this whole thing? I know that we've discussed this previous that you've seen a bit of mash, right? Like you've seen up to about the end of season three, right? Yes, I've seen up to a big moment (laughs) in the series. (laughs) So I don't know if you've met this character yet, but this is like a huge thing, right? So this CID officer who comes after Hawkeye and Trapper operate on the other CID officer, I guess against regulations, he is... (laughs) 
he plays a character that's like the most polarizing character in all of MASH, I would say. Oh, really? Yes, absolutely. And so this is not the role, but we'll we'll get into it when we actually meet him. But there is um, a lot, I would say, agreement in the fandom <laughs> that this character, his name is Halloran in this episode, um, Captain Halloran, is actually this other character like in disguise. So I just wanted to lay that out right then and there that <laughs> this was a this was very, very funny for me because I've seen all of MASH. I don't think that you would appreciate it as much not seeing uh, No, it. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this is so funny to me. Like I know that any listener who's listening right now knows exactly what I'm talking about if you've seen this episode. Like you <laughs> know who this person is. <laughs> Yeah, if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen, like, all of MASH, like, what are you doing, my dude? <laughs> um, don't but be like me. To go back to it, um, I thought that Frank was being so annoying here, where he literally is refusing to operate on somebody who's bleeding out because it's against regulations. And Hawkeye and Trapper were like, yeah, no, you're ridiculous. We're not just going to let this guy potentially bleed out. And I think this paired with this other piece of the episode that's kind of centering around Frank, again, goes to show that Frank cares more about the army than he does about being a doctor at times, Mm -hmm. Um, and was highlighting again how egregious Frank Burns is. This was maybe... I say it every time there's a a new Frank storyline, that like, oh, this is the one where he's the most mean, or this is the one where he's the most evil, or whatever, but this one... Frank was so far out of line of being a good doctor in this one that it genuinely fully annoyed me. Like, as a person, uh, (laughs) I was like, how dare this man claim to be a doctor? Beyond the the army regulation of it, like, I I do understand on a conceptual level, like, you need to follow regulation. Like, there are legitimate reasons not to put this guy under without following rules stuff like that but you know it's just that this episode he clearly has no empathy for anyone who he treats or you know that kind of thing and it it really it i mean it comes to an absolute boiling point in this one i i know that he doesn't change because it's a 70s sitcom and like you, you can't have that but of all the episodes that I hope would, in reality, if this was a real man, I would hope that this episode would tell Frank, like, hey, you need to change, buddy. You need to act a little bit more differently and have a little bit more compassion. Yeah, it's just like, okay, where are your priorities, dude? Like, you're gonna let this guy die because there is, like, not another CID officer there to oversee the surgery. Again, like you said, conceptually, I understand. And I'm sure, I wonder if that was, like, a real thing. I'm sure that there are oh, things I'm sure. like that, um, even still to this day. But... Like you said, and like we always say, it's just like Frank's priorities are just not there to like heal. And Hawkeye and Trapper even say this to him too. Um, They basically like give him pushback of like having literally like no bedside manner and not caring about patients at all. And I felt like it was very much like commentary of like the whole like bureaucratic decision of war doesn't care about people's lives. It's only these doctors that actually care. And there are humans at the end of the day, so... Yeah, and this was 
maybe the first episode where being good doctors doesn't immediately get them out of trouble because they're in trouble because they were good doctors. Yes. Um. So I, I thought how this resolved was interesting that this guy who apparently is a different character and, you know, is whatnot. <laughs> but this this man comes in, uh, comes in and he's going to arrest them. But after like two seconds of like actually talking with them, he's like, all right, did he say anything? And can everyone here be trusted? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like he's alive. He's like, cool. Okay, deal me into the poker game. <laughs> Yeah, because he's a person, like a real human being who, who you know, isn't a computer who can, you know, compartmentalize between regulations and human empathy. So I thought how it resolved was like, uh, maybe not 100% real- realistic. I don't know how the situation would play out in real life. But, you know, they got lucky with this guy who seems to be on the cooler side of like, okay, regulations are like regulations but there is a line if somebody's gonna die like you have to do something yeah absolutely and what does that say about frank that this other cid officer who potentially has like you know a a much like riskier job in the sense of like military secrets and whatnot is willing to let it go and frank is not it's just like Frank Burns, do better. (laughs) Speaking of him needing to do better, that brings us to our third poker interruption (laughs) of the night where, uh, so the entire episode, for whatever reason, Frank is just being an absolute jerk to this wounded man who is, you know, recovered and apparently fine and just doesn't want to go back to the, the front lines. And Frank is like, oh no, bud, you're going back. And like, not treating him with any respect or kindness or even like you know talking to him like a person Mm -hmm. he's just like you idiot you're going back you're fine and this happens over the course of the entire episode and it builds to a climax where suddenly in the poker game there are gunshots in the background and they're like what in the world it's two in the morning and they find out that this officer is holding Frank hostage and going to shoot him uh, for trying to send him back to the front lines with no empathy. And again, if anything was going to teach the real man Frank Burns and not the, you know, status quo TV character Frank Burns, I would hope that this would be it because this was a real demonstration of how awful Frank can be as a human being that like, his actions led him into his own hostage situation. Yeah, and in the scenes prior to this, um, when he when Frank is talking to this patient, you know, the patient says, I really I can't go back, like I really don't want to go back. And Frank says, The army doesn't care about your head, just get the enemy in the crosshairs and blast away, or something along those lines. And yeah. it's he just does not have any, like you said, empathy. And I thought that this was a really like quick but powerful line of like no one's concerned about the psychological effects of war on these young men and it's really upsetting and really disturbing because like they're just expected to just be shot at potentially killed and then also kill other people as their duty and then not no one cares about that potentially they don't want to go back to the front lines or that they you know might have some psychological trauma <laughs> related to this ex- whole mm-hmm. experience 
Which I feel like is why, even though it's not really utilized, that's why Sydney's kind of there, because he is the psychiatrist, you know. And Hawkeye and Trapper gave him pushback on this, too. They were like, yeah, no, don't be so regular army about it. You're a doctor. Like, you should be concerned about this patient. And Frank's not even giving it any thought that, oh, potentially he's not mentally well enough to go back to the front lines and clearly he wasn't because he holds frank hostage to not have to go back so clearly he was not well and this whole thing was sad to me it resolved really quickly like with holding frank hostage in the shower it was very funny it was played very funny but it was very sad to me of like yeah, he's not being taken care of properly. And clearly there's a problem here and nobody seemed to care until it escalated to this situation. Yeah, again, this is very much a situation of Frank's own making. Like, obviously, Frank doesn't deserve to, to die in a hostage no, situation. Not. But within the context of this episode, it's 100% like understandable why this happened to him. That he just wasn't treating someone like a doctor should. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was, like, Frank has done some, like, bad things and whatnot. But, like, this was the one where it was, like, I was meeting you on your level of, like, you know what? Frank Burns is, like, my Darth Vader. He's the worst. (laughs) 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 But uh, I like Larry Linville's whole performance, though. uh, In the shower. Yes, absolutely. The way he performs is so fun. He's so good. At being this very small, cowardly man, it kept the whole hostage thing, like, lighter and, like, had more fun with it. That he is, like, freaking out and, like, kind of crying. His whole performance is great. Larry Linville, always a hero of this show. He makes (laughs) Frank more tolerable. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny because, like, I thought the same thing. Like, in the hostage situation, you could feel that Frank was, like, actually terrified. So I thought the acting from Larry Linville was really good because he seemed, like, very, very afraid that he was going to get shot. And I liked how it all resolved, too, of, like, he was trying to play it off. Like, oh, I got the gun away from him. And Hawkeye and Trapper just, like, turned the shower on on him. And it was very, it was very funny. I like Trapper sneaking into the shower and kind of throwing this guy to the ground and then Frank being like, I did it. I'm a hero. Uh, It just kind of speaks to how deluded Frank can be that he could never admit his own fault that he has to, you know, make himself the hero of the situation. Of course. Um, And, you know, obviously this, this man just wasn't well and hopefully... You know, hopefully he doesn't have to go to the front lines now that he uh, nearly killed a man. Hopefully that makes things different for him. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully he can get Klinger's Section 8. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And again, of course, like, not to make light of that situation. Like, that's, like, a legitimate thing. He should not be going to the front lines, but it's true. He should be discharged. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So afterwards, there's one final scene where they're still in the poker game. And it's just been going on all night. And I love this, that it, how it wraps up. Just how exhausted they all are. But they're all still here. And they're all still playing together. And they're like, is it next week yet? I don't even know. Uh, I, I love the conclusion to this. That even after this craziness, it just comes back to this poker game. Yeah. And everything is like, okay. And life is carrying on. So uh, do you have any favorite lines or anything like that? Dude, this episode was chock 
couple of great, great lines. I probably have too many favorite lines from this, but one of the best ones to me was in the very beginning. It was completely throwaway. It had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. But Radar comes into the shower to tell Hawkeye and Trapper that they, uh, like, the guys from the... (laughs) are here for the conference and they were like kind of teasing radar and radar says it's okay i can take a joke and then he steals their robes and so they ha- they'll have to walk out of the shower completely naked and hawkeye just screams i was kidding you're beautiful <laughs> <laughs> a bit's great i another thing that i love with radar in this episode is that after he hits the guy with the jeep and he explains this to uh henry and, you know, he's he's just deeply afraid that he's, like, gonna get chewed out and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And Henry's very empathetic and kind of understands. And they're, like, walking away together to go to the OR to check, or the ER to check on this guy. Whatever. They're going to check on this guy. And just while they're walking away, Radar says, like, oh, I'm sorry I interrupted your poker game. And Henry goes like, oh, don't you think that you mean more to me than a pair of deuces? Uh, (laughs) Really great. I love that line. Sydney had like a million great lines in this one. He did. Oh, my Uh, God. Very much playing with this uh, psychiatrist stuff Mm -hmm. that like every time somebody did something, he was like, oh, you know, that's very significant. I really liked him in this one. I can't pick one. Did you write down what he said about uh, sex? I feel like that's a very iconic uh, mash line. I've seen that literally on those like motivational posters that people like somebody (laughs) on the the mash subreddit made like a parody motivational poster of that where it was like, uh, sex is why we gamble. Sex is why we fight. Sex is why we have children. It's why we do everything. And it's just like, it was a great stupid thing to say where you're like well i guess that's right to some degree (laughs) so that's really funny that you say that because i don't i don't have the quote written down but it's really funny because sydney friedman is like kind of i feel like everything right during this era was based on sigmund freud and sigmund freud's work was very much like oh everything's like kind of based in sex like everyone does everything because of sex which i thought was like very funny like his name is clearly like a play on the psychiatrist i didn't even realize that until you said sigmund (laughs) (laughs) but i will say one of my favorite lines from sydney in this episode was after he goes through all that like because hawkeye asks him oh like sydney why do we gamble and he says that whole like sex thing and then he says to hawkeye he like takes one of hawkeye's poker chips he goes i'm taking a five dollar tip that was a house call (laughs) I i loved that Everything with Sydney was really good. Like, Hawkeye asked him, why do we gamble? And he just responds sex. And then Hawkeye's like, but why? And he's like, I don't know. They told me to say that. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. Everything about him is great in this episode. I can't wait to see more of him. Yeah, it was really, really, really great. This whole episode was just so good. So do you have any uh, trivia for us? I do. This episode was absolutely star-studded. So I have a lot of trivia on the guest stars in this episode. So Alan Arbus uh, played Sidney Friedman. I had said I was going to save this trivia for this episode (laughs) when we first met Sidney. So before acting, Alan Arbus had this really 
significant photography career, which I thought was really cool. He was a photographer for the U.S. Army during the 1940s. And after his service in the Army ended, he and his wife, Diane Arbus, who she is like a really famous photographer as well, they began a photographic advertising business. And Alan Arbus's work was featured in magazines that we still see today, like Glamour, Vogue, and Seventeen, which I thought was like really cool. Mm -hmm. So after his marriage and business ended up dissolving, Arbus pivoted to acting um he gained initial success in the lead in robert downey jr or i'm sorry in robert downey senior's movie called greaser's palace which cool oh never um, heard of that it was like i think it was like a 60s movie and then other than mash he guest starred on several tv shows including law and order curb your enthusiasm judging amy and a lot of others which I know you really like curbing enthusiasm. It's a good show. <laughs> Alan Arbus passed away in 2013 at the age of 95. And his two oh. daughters, Amy and Dune Arbus, are a photographer and a writer and art director, respectively. So it kind of like carried on to the whole the whole family. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's super cool. I love that. Then the actor who played Sam Pack was a man named Pat Morita. Uh, I apologize. Pat Morita? Yeah. Wait, okay. No, so no, 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 Marita... wait, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 I'll, I'll get to it, I, I promise, uh, I'm going to do that one more time. Okay. So S Sam Pack was played by an actor uh, named Pat Morita, which I know for a fact you know, Ethan, because I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but he played uh, Mr. Miyagi in, in the that... original Karate Kid movies. That's like his that's best so, known role. That's so crazy. I, I did not recognize him. How dare, how dare I? I had a I? feeling I feel like you a didn't failure. recognize him because I feel like you would have like said that right away. You were like, oh, this actor, I, I liked how he did. And I was like, oh, Ethan doesn't know. I, was, <laughs> I got so excited. I, I feel like a sham. I love, I love the Karate Kid. He's great. So, okay. So some background about um, Marita. So he was diagnosed with tuberculosis at the age of two. And he spent nine years in the hospital in his home state of California being treated for it nine years like that's crazy that's wild he spent extensive time in a full body cast he underwent extensive spinal surgery and he had to learn to walk and at the age of 11 right after being released from the hospital he was sent to an internment camp in arizona with the rest of his family so like that's just that's just so terrible oh man he's lived a he's lived a full hard life then. yeah My God. i would say so so he had a bunch of odd jobs before acting and then his first venture into show business was doing stand-up. And his first movie role was in a small part in Thoroughly Modern Millie, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh. Um, like I said, he's best known for his role as Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid movies. He had a recurring role on Happy Days as Arnold, as well as several other sitcoms like Sanford and Son and Married with Children. He also did voice acting in titles including Mulan and an episode of Spongebob. Which I thought that you would like to know. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, I think I know who he was in Mulan. Uh, that movie's great, by the way. If you haven't watched Mulan in a while, give it another watch. That movie, like, holds up. Definitely. And he passed away in 2005 at the age of 73. So then the final guest star, which I think that you also don't know, was Private Carter was played by John Ritter. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I feel like a full sham. Like, all these people are great. And I'm like, oh, well, uh, I just like these voice and their camaraderie. I, I had no recognition of any of these actors. I'm so face blind. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, 
as you know, I'm sure, I love Three's Company. So this was this was a this was a treat for me to see John Ritter in this role. So he is also included in the list of stars that were on MASH before they were stars, which I think is very fun. So of course, John Ritter had a really prolific acting career. He appeared in movies including Sling Blade, Problem Child, and Skin Deep. He guest starred in many TV shows, including Law and Order SVU, Scrubs, Ally McBeal. You know, we all know that John Ritter was a very prolific actor. Um, he was the voice of Clifford in the animated series, Clifford the Big Red Dog, which we love that. I didn't know that, actually. You didn't know that? Oh my gosh, that's so no, crazy. No, I knew, like, Kel Mitchell was one of the dogs. I did not know that Clifford the Big Red Dog was uh, John Ritter, my god. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, John Ritter uh, passed away in 2003 at the age of 54 from a heart attack. And it was a very, it was a very quick, very sudden thing. Um, he was yeah. actually on the set of eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter when the heart attack began um so that was his that was his last show before he passed away and it was a tragedy because he was a very talented actor and was gone before his time very unfortunate you know a lot of this stuff now you're saying that like all these guys are are gone now and i'm like oh man that's sad but you know they had some good careers and this episode was really good and it's kind of crazy that it featured all three of them so uh moving from that into something a little bit lighter uh what would you give this episode out of five martinis so this is definitely a five out of five for me five martinis out of five wow for sure and this is this is not necessarily based on like objectivity this is completely personal to me i just loved this episode so much there's definitely like flaws and whatever but i just absolutely loved it five out of five for me all right respect respect i I might have to go lower i was gonna give this a four out of five martinis understandable i 100 percent understand that in rewatch this is this is a highlight but having seen this i guess for like the second time you know still a really good episode but it's not one that I was like, oh my god, best episode ever. But I, I totally understand kind of just chilling and watching this episode a hundred times because it's got yeah. that kind of vibe to it where you're like, well, I'm just going to throw this one on because I like it. Yeah, definitely. This is this is definitely a a favorite of mine. Very cool. Love to hear it. So just to wrap up. We'd like to give thanks to Jacob Freer Balco for being our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contact for the show are linked in the description. And join us next week for Season 2, Episode 14, Hot Lips and Empty Arms. Until then, eat some kosher salami sandwiches. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Bye.